Thank you. Uh, like J.O. said, my name is Connor. Um, I am, what's up, two nights in, or days in a row, NIC, representing. I must have preached well last night. Uh, I'm Connor, again, that's awkward, I said it twice. Um, I'm a, just a, a little bit about me real quick. I'm, I'm a friend, um, I'm a brother, I'm a son, um, I'm a husband. Where's my wife at? I'm not a father. Um, we're going to wait a little while on that one. Uh, got some maturing to do. Uh, I was uh, once a, a college student and a college athlete. Um, and uh, to you guys, to many of you, hopefully I'm a, a, I'm a friend and a pastor. Um, that's a little bit about who I am, and, and I, I fit a lot of different roles. I once told someone that um, there were, I said, usually when people ask me what I do, I say I work for a church. I don't start out the bat with the whole pastor thing because that gets kind of awkward and weird sometimes. So I said, I work at a church. She said, oh, how old are you? I said, uh, 23. She goes, what do, you, what do you do at the church? I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, <laughs> that's cute. I invited her, and I don't think she's ever showed up. Uh, but uh, it's a lot about who I am. But more, than, more importantly than that, uh, the reason why I'm in this place and, and on this platform right now is um, just to, to give you guys a, an idea as to my heart behind all this. Um, we live in a very performance-driven and, and based culture, um, and I, that was so, such a big part of me growing up, and even as to recently, even now, I wrestle with that, being a college athlete and, and just growing up playing sports and the way that we uh, rate and, and, and judge people's value and purpose and performance in life based on how well they do at things. And I just want to say to you this morning, this is not a performance. It was never intended to be that way. Um, this, and although it might seem in a lot of ways like a monologue, like I'm talking to you, it's very much so a dialogue. And this is why. I'm going to share with you what I believe God has spoken to me in a word that has so transformed my heart through, through the word of God, through the, the written word of God. But it's your job in response to take anything that you might hear and to allow God to, to use that to transform you and to heal you and to give you peace and comforting encouragement. Is that, is that cool? Are you guys good with that? Um, so, so very much so. If Performance is, is just about critiquing and rating and judging. and You can critique me if you'd like. But, but more than anything, I want you guys to, to be encouraged this morning, to have hope this morning. Hopefully God would heal you this morning. When we were praying last night, I feel like God gave me a, a vision, and we're going to get pretty spiritual pretty quick, if that's okay with you. Uh, and if you're, if you're new to church and all this is weird, that's totally okay. Um, but I feel like I was just, just praying and, and imagining the service, and I really felt like I saw angels uh, come into this place, and I feel like there are angels surrounding. Again, if this sounds weird, that's totally okay. Just roll with me. But I feel like that there are angels surrounding certain people, and I saw some of them just opening up hearts and doing surgery on hearts, and I saw some of them just sitting behind people and massaging their shoulders. Not that you might not actually need a physical massage, but, but that God wants to give you comfort this morning, that God wants to give you rest this morning. You're full of maybe depression and anxiety or something. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God wants to bring rest to you. God wants to bring peace to you. I saw God just picking some people up completely out of their chair and just giving them strength to stand. I think there are people, there's something in your life that you need to stand for. 
right now, but you can't stand on your own. Well, I'm here to tell you today, God is here to give you strength and to pick you up and to give you hope. Amen? Amen. So if you receive that this morning, let's pray as we go into this. God, we thank you. We love you. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you do all those things right now. Bring us hope. Heal us, God. Bring us joy. Give us strength, God, that you may be glorified in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. Just a, a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know. Preface. I cried in, in worship earlier, and sometimes I want to get Adam's laughing at me. I can't, I don't totally have a, a handle on my emotions now that I'm a Christian. Sometimes I cry, sometimes I laugh. So, um, if I cry this morning, I'm not totally sure if that's going to happen. Just roll with it. Receive that. I commit, my, I commit my emotions to God. God is the author of our emotions, um, and he wants to use those to, to bring us joy and pleasure and comfort. So if I cry, just let it be. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. little context. This is Jesus. He's giving his inaugural speech as the king of the universe in this moment. Uh, if you understand presidential candidacy and all those different things, when the president is elected, he gives a speech, and often that speech is, um, or her possibly, often that speech um, is to, to lay out the foundations of what their, their reign and rule is going to be as the president of our nation. And this is Jesus, the savior of the world, God in the flesh, and he comes to the nation of Israel, and this is his inaugural speech to communicate to you, this is the principle, the foundation, the parameters of what my kingdom, what my my rule and reign is going to be for all those who would commit their life to me. And this is what he says. It's so beautiful. He says this. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons or daughters of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is what Jesus, and he's speaking to people who, again, they, the people that he's talking to are, are the people from the nation of Israel who are really the outcasted people, the people who were meek, the people who were thirsting for righteousness, the people who were persecuted. These were the people who the righteous, um, pharisaical, religious elite would cast out because they weren't born into wealth or they didn't have it all together. These are people who were brokenhearted, people who have been outcasted from society. And there was just something about Jesus, some compassion some love in him, some grace in him, that when he went up to speak and give his speech about being the king of the universe, the savior of the world, they were drawn to him. And that he said, blessed are you if you are these things. One of the most hopeful, powerful speeches ever given. What that word blessed really means or the way that they would have understand it in that time is not just because we have a lot of different contexts for what the word blessed means, right? Especially as Christians in general. But what Jesus is saying when he says, you are blessed if you are these things, what he's really saying is that I am with you if you are these things. 
what differentiates the kingdom of God from any other kingdom or country or any other rule or reign is that the living God, Jesus himself, is with you always. Is what he's saying is if you're receiving this, if you're here to listen to me, if you're here to commit your life to me, you can know that as your king, I'm not some far off person in this house or whatever it might be, and I'm just us or commanding out rules for you to govern you. And No, but I am with you always. I'm here to bring you hope. I'm here to bring you comfort. You have access to all that I am and all that I have. You're a citizen in my kingdom. See, that's really what the essence of Christianity is. It's not just this religious duty or ethic that we walk out and we just show up to church once a week, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Jesus is our king. He's our ruler. He's our president, even though we're, we're a part of this nation. And he leads and he guides us and he provides for us and he protects us and he goes on our behalf to show us that he loves us. So if you're here today and maybe you're a seasoned Christian, we're in this series right now called Now And what I really want to show you today, what I want to speak to you about is now that you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, or maybe you're not, you're here today and you're not a citizen, you wouldn't consider yourself a a believer in Jesus, you haven't committed your life to him, that's okay. My hope to you is to communicate to you what that's all about. More than anything, what Jesus is trying to reveal to the citizens of the kingdom of God is you have a great purpose in your life, and this is what it is. See, one of the, the, the reasons for spiritual bankruptcy and depression and anxiety in our country for, for believers and non-believers alike is that we would go through life and we would question what our purpose is. And what Jesus is saying to his followers, to his citizens today, is you have a great purpose, and here's what it is. So would you put up Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is our main text tonight. As Jesus, the Savior of the world, gives his inaugural speech, he says this, You are the salt of of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So these people, they come to Jesus, and Jesus says, this is what my kingdom looks like. I'm present with you. You're blessed if you're this because I'm with you. And then he says this. Now, they're probably thinking, Jesus, now what? We understand we're citizens of your kingdom, but what do we do now? Are we supposed to be pastors? Are we supposed to be prophets? Are we supposed to run nonprofits or whatever it might be? They're looking for their purpose, and this is the most gracious commandment that Jesus has ever given to humanity, the purpose that he's given to them. He says, you are the salt of the earth. I find that so interesting because, again, if we think about culturally, we should always, when we think about what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God, we should recognize what it means to not be a citizen and what that life is like so we can understand the beauty and the grace of being a citizen in the kingdom of God. And what I understand about the world outside of God's kingdom is our purpose and our value is dependent on what our job title is or how much money we make or if we're educated or uneducated. Or if we've been perfect people and we've had it all together, we were born into wealth or we weren't. We've made a lot of mistakes. We were born into poverty. We were oppressed in a lot of ways. We were abused and battered. And if we live in another kingdom, in another reality, under another ruler, that is what we're limited to in our purpose. And that's what causes a lot of depression in people. That's what causes a lot of brokenness in people because they believe that because I'm under the rule of another human being or a president or my own self, I can't restore myself. I can't give myself hope. So I live under the purpose of what I once was or what I was born into or what I never will be. And Jesus comes to say to you today, again, think about who he's speaking to. He's not, think, he's not speaking to people who were born into wealth. He's not speaking to educated people. 
He's speaking to the cast out people of society. Now, cast out people might be people with a lot of money. It's not just understand that Jesus doesn't want to just save people who were stuck in addiction and who were born into poverty. Jesus wants to save Dwayne Hagedon. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know where he's at, but just to give you an idea, like, he wants to save the billionaires in this world because they need Jesus just as much as anyone else do. If we think we don't, we've fallen into a wrong place where we think having money is what you need to be satisfied in this life. My purpose here primarily tonight is not to be a pastor to you or to preach a sermon to you. My purpose is to be salt. Primarily. You're salt of the earth. What does that mean? That'd be a great question. Here we go. Good question. First point on what it means to be salt of the earth. Will you put that up, Jason? This is what salt does. Salt gives flavor. I uh, recently, about a year ago, very recently, a year ago, um, my grandmother, she was 96 years old, and she passed away. She was a beautiful woman, lived an awesome life. She was doing water aerobics at like the age of 90. She was incredible, just getting after it in the pool. <laughs> but she was in the hospital, and she was very sick, and she was near the end, and she uh, still ate a lot, and, you know, she was a, a food lover like I am, um, and uh because her heart was having some issues and it couldn't really stand a whole lot of pressure, they were giving her food to give nourishment to her body, but they gave her plain, plain food. There was no seasoning on it. There was definitely no salt on it because they said, Betty, if you eat salt, it will kill you. And she was like, well, the food sucks. Give me f- salt. <laughs> Sorry, Jo. The food was no good. She was freaking out. She was like, No, like, I understand that it'll kill me, but I would rather have food that tastes really good right now while I'm living, so give me salt. And they're like, Betty, we can't give you salt. The salt will kill you. So this is what she did, being the the saintly Irish Catholic Boston woman that she was. She went to her son when the nurses left the, the room, and she said, Jonathan, you get me salt, and you sneak it in my purse, and when they leave... Give me the salt, and I'm eating it. So being the good son that he was, he went and got the salt, put it in the purse, snuck it in there, contraband, and uh, she ate salt. And I don't know how it affected the rest of her days, but but she made that she had flavor. And again, that's a funny story. It's light, and it's whatever, but it speaks to the reality. What's true in the natural is true in the spiritual. We all have this desire in our life to have flavor, to have fun, to enjoy life. And here's the reality, friends, that as Christians, see, this is one of the greatest problems that I see, and I struggle with it even in my own life. I was sitting the other night having sushi at this restaurant, and there was all these people around me, and I don't know who they were or what they believed, but they looked like they were having all this fun. And for whatever reason, I was just totally like, just, uh, like my birthday celebration. And I was like, God kept speaking to me like, you're supposed to be the life of the party. Like, you have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. Like, whether you're eating sushi or you're at work or you're at school or you're at home, like, you're supposed to be the salt of the earth. You're supposed to give flavor to the lives of the people around you. Like, I have put the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I was so convicted. Like, here's the reality, friends. Jesus says it's our purpose as his followers, as the citizens of his kingdom, to give flavor to the world around us. 
to be filled with joy, to be filled with peace, to be filled with strength, to have fun, not to be the life of the party like the world understands it where you can take the most shots or you can do whatever. I mean, not like that because that's emptiness, really. But to genuinely be filled with joy and to discern when to laugh and when not to. And to speak life over people, to encourage people, to be, again, whether you're a Christian here or night, today or not, to be optimistic, to be hopeful, to understand that you're just a citizen in the kingdom and God is the king and he is in charge and he is ruling and he is working, th- working everything out for the good. And you can be a hopeful person. My question for you today, especially if you're a Christian, is are you giving flavor to the world around you? Like I'm a pastor and I work for a church and sometimes I have to be very honest with myself in staff meetings and when I'm in my office making bulletins and doing different stuff like that is, am I really giving flavor to the world around me? I mean, I'm a Christian and I have a title and I have all these different things and I have giftings, but my purpose is not any of those things. My purpose primarily is to be the salt of the earth, to give flavor to the world around me to smile at people, don't ever underestimate the power of a smile. Like that is a gift and a skill that God can give you and wants to give you. It's just a smile at people. The flavor of life, the salt of the world. The second thing that salt does is salt preserves life. In the ancient years and and days and, and centuries before refrigeration was invented, what they used to do is they would take salt and they would pack meat, and they would pack anything that really was um, perishable with salt so that it would last the trip overseas or wherever they were trying to send it so that it could, when it arrived, it could taste good. What Jesus is saying to us is your purpose in life as a salt of the earth is to preserve the lives of the people around you. When you're at work or when you're at home, especially when you're at home with your kids and with your wife or with with your wife or with your husband, to be the salt of the earth, your purpose is to preserve the life of the people around you. Now, let me clarify. Uh, I believe one of the gifts and really the gifts that I have to, to give to you guys is something that God is really doing in me is to give you joy. Like that's I feel like God has really given me joy in a lot of ways. Like, I don't have a crazy testimony necessarily, but I used to be a pretty angry and very serious and just weird kid. And uh, and I think just in, in following Jesus for the last six or seven years, what God has really done and especially now is doing to me is giving me real, pure joy. And that's my gift to give to you. I'm not good at it all the times. I have moments But more than anything, like, I want to give you joy. But here's the thing. There's an extreme to everything, right? Sometimes we, if we, 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 lock in on what we want to give to people and we go to maybe an unhealthy area. If you ask my wife at home, like weird, like too joyful, like it's fake. And she's like, you don't need to impress me. Uh, Like I'm married to you. Uh, (laughs) Yes, sir. But sometimes it's like fake. Here's the thing, friends. As Christians, my commission to you as your pastor is never, ever to be fake. Don't ever be fake. If you're joyful, be joyful. But here's the thing that we need to learn to do more than anything, and I feel like God is is really speaking to me about this in just our church, is we need to learn how to mourn and grieve well, too. 
to preserve life is to recognize in a situation of celebration how to celebrate well and how to encourage people. But also to preserve life is to recognize in a moment of mourning or grieving how to mourn well and how to grieve well. I think if we're bad at, at anything as believers, it's mourning well and grieving well with people and preserving life through those things. Sometimes it, you don't have to say in the moment when a tragic thing happens that God is going to work everything out for good. People know that and believe that. Sometimes what they really need you to do is not say anything at all, just to zip it and put your arm around them and cry with them and sit with them as long as you need to. When my best friend in the world passed away at 18, one of my other closest friends, he just stayed with me for days. We watched movies, and sometimes we talked about what had happened, and sometimes we didn't talk at all, but he was just there. He was just present. That's who Jesus is. That's what he's saying in his inaugural speech, present to you. I'll put laughter in you. I'll put mourning in you. I'll put grieving in you, but I'm here to preserve your life, and I'm with you. As the salt of the earth, friends, discern emotionally what emotions to live out and to, to operate in and to express words to say or not say, times to laugh and times to cry, and ultimately be the salt and preserve the lives of the people around you. That's your purpose, to give flavor, to preserve life, not to work a nine-to-five, not to finish all your tasks. All those, those things are good, Right? They are. Sometimes, especially our generation, young people, we're not very good at working, and we don't work very hard. Seriously, I think God wants to do that. If you're a young person, a part of the Y generation or the millennials, be the salt and work hard. Come on. That's something that God has really done in me. Colossians 3.23, I work unto the Lord. Work hard, but preserve life. The third thing that salt does you can go to the next slide. <laughs> salt makes people thirsty. Again, I did it again. Last night, every time I get to this point, I really have to take a drink of water, and I'm thinking in my head, that's cheesy. Uh, <laughs> but like I really like, like if I don't drink water, it's going to get ugly. Um, salt makes people thirsty. Like, if you were to go home or just today, like, we're not going to offer this because it's not good for you, but if you were to, to take a spoonful of salt and you were just to eat it, like, you would want to drink water. And if you've ever been dehydrated before, you know how, like, helpless that feels or, like, mm, that's a really tough place to be and you're not worried about what's going on around you. You're just worried about getting hydration. What Jesus is saying, your purpose in this world, by the way that you work, by the way that you think, by the words that you say to people is to make people thirsty for Jesus. Like the way that you parent your kids, the way that you love your wife, the way that you work out, the way that you take out the trash, like everything you do is to make people thirsty for Jesus so that when they see you, they're like, man, that person is full of so much joy. Or man, that person mourns really well. Or man, that person is always just saying awesome things to me even though they, I know that they don't like me. Come on. Pray for those who persecute you. Like that's the life of someone who lives in this, is a citizen of the kingdom of God. Everything you do makes people thirst for Jesus. Like if you want to see people who you, who you know don't love Jesus yet and commit their lives to them, live a life that makes them thirsty for him. 
Because everybody's thirsting. And everybody needs hydration. Everybody needs satisfaction. Everybody wants to feel fulfilled. But the only person who can really do it is Jesus. And it's your job, your purpose in this life, regardless of what you do professionally or where you came from or how much money you have or whatever it is, to make people thirsty for Jesus. Is that not the most gracious commandment that God has ever made? Like, not that I have to do all these things right, because the reality is, is you won't get it all right as a believer. Not that I have to come from a certain place, but regardless of where I come from, regardless of what I do or don't do, or how educated I am or uneducated I am, or how equipped I am, or how many lack of skill, whatever you might, wherever you might be at, Jesus says, I am your king if you'd commit your life to me. And your purpose in this world is to be salt to the people around you. Now, Jesus says something kind of frightening at first. He says, if salt loses its saltiness, if it loses its taste, it's no longer good for anything. That's a really, have you ever been there before as a believer? Like you felt you've lost your saltiness. Now, it's important to know why we lose our saltiness, and that's what I want to share right now. Two reasons why, because I, I don't think Jesus says this to condemn anyone or to put like an unhealthy fear in anyone, but I think he wants to make, us, make it known to you that you can lose your purpose, even as a believer. As a citizen of the kingdom of God, you could believe that you're American and think that you're a Canadian, and that's not okay. Well, I mean, it's okay. Like, I love Canada. Oh, Canada. But if, <laughs> I'm a terrible singer. But if, but it, but if you, but if you're an American citizen, you want to have access to those perks because you're a citizen of this kingdom, right? Jesus wants to understand if you do lose your 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 saltiness, if you do lose pace, if you do lose whatever, if you're for some reason deceived and you think you're a member of another reality, here's why. And this is what. What I think, we don't see this in the scripture, but based on my own experience, this is how I think you can lose your saltiness. First thing, you develop a savior complex. And here's what I mean. You come subconsciously, especially as believers, because we have compassion in our hearts for people, and we want people to experience the same thing that God has done in us, especially if they're, they don't believe in Jesus or they're lost or whatever, however you want to refer to it. We want those people to come to know Jesus, and that's the commission that God has given us, to make disciples of all nations, right? But there's an unhealthy place that we can come to sometimes where we, we forget that Jesus is the Savior of the world and that he's... Co- completed it all on the cross and he's finished everything in his life ministry death and resurrection and we think that we have some obligation to save people let me give you a scriptural reference peter jesus says to peter who do you say that i am peter says you are the christ he said that god gave you that you didn't come up with that on your own and then jesus says i'm gonna go and i'm gonna die and peter's like no not you lord that can't happen to you and then jesus says to peter you're a hindrance to me What he's really saying is, I am the savior of the world. I have to go do this so that people can experience my kingdom. And it's not your job. If you try to get in my way, you've now tried to take on the savior of the world. And that's not for you to do. We're to be salt to people. To give flavor to their life. To preserve their life. And to make them thirsty for the savior of the world. But we are not the savior of the world. How would you know if you've come into that place? Here's how. If you feel guilt or condemnation or an unhealthy um, conviction 
over your ability to lead people to Jesus and you think it's your fault that they're not coming to Jesus, you've developed a savior complex. And my prayer for you today is that God will release you from that because he's carried the weight of sin and he's completed it all. And all he wants you to do is give flavor to their life and to preserve their life and make them thirsty for him. You're not the savior of the world. If, even if you say something wrong or you do something wrong, it's not gonna jeopardize their salvation. God is bigger than that. His grace is bigger than that. Just do your best, trust him, and, and, and give flavor, preserve life, and make people thirsty for Jesus. Amen? The second thing, this is a tough one for me too, is you'd rather be sugar than salt. Austin, we're going to try this again. Last night, this didn't go super well. Austin is my valet, and he knows that I'm a candy man, so he brought me Skittles. I'm only going to eat a couple because this can get really difficult to eat when you're talking. But here's the thing about Skittles. Skittles taste really good. Really good. But Skittles are not good for you. Although they taste, and this is the crazy thing about food. The food that tastes good really is bad for you. The food that tastes bad is good for you. Like, come on, God. (laughs) Struggle's real. Here's the thing. Sometimes, even as believers, because we're afraid of what people might think or what people might say, or maybe our, our salted words and our gracious actions are painful to their reality for a moment, that we become more sugary than salty. Maybe there's a moment in your life where you really like, you know they might not receive it well, but because out of the love of your heart, you want to tell them a truth about the sinful reality that they're living in or the hopeless reality that they're living in, but you're afraid that that relationship might be broken or you're afraid of what they'll think of you. You don't say anything at all or you say something that really continue, or cultivates the decay in their life. And you've become more sugary than you have been salty. I struggle with this all the time because by the grace of God, I have a lot of friends and, and just people in my life who, who are not totally sold out for Jesus yet. And sometimes I say things or I don't say anything at all or I take on this mindset when I'm surrounded by them. I'm a lot more sugary to them than I am salty. And I encourage their hopelessness or I encourage their, their futile mindset or whatever it might be. And I'm ultimately leading to the decay and contributing to the decay of their soul. And at that point, I've lost my saltiness. And really, like Jesus says, I'm, I'm not good for anything in that moment. Have you become more sugary than salty? Understand this about salt. If you've ever, if you've ever, thanks, Joe. That's affirming. If you've ever, we can laugh in church. Church is fun. (laughs) Skittles make me thirsty for water, not Jesus. Um, If you've ever had a wound or tasted salt water, you understand that it it tastes really bad and that it, it hurts when your open wound touches salt water, right? That's because salt, although it's painful in a moment, heals ultimately, right? 
Like, understand, when you're, especially when you're going to people who desperately need Jesus to heal them and to give flavor to their life and to make them thirst for him, there might be a moment where your saltiness, and it's not necessarily the words that you say sometimes. Sometimes it's the things that you stand, am, stand up for, like faithfulness to your spouse or like speaking life over your kids. They might be like, why do you do that? Or like, your kid's an idiot. You should like be honest with him. And it's like, I don't, yeah, if my parents told me that I was an idiot every time I was an idiot, I wouldn't be in this place. But my parents believed in me regardless of my idiotcy. I don't know if that's the right word. Right? Sometimes, and that might hurt them at first, or that might make them feel like, you're self-righteous. And it's like, no, you're just salt to the earth. And it might hurt in a moment, but ultimately it's going to lead to their healing because once God breaks down those walls, they're going to be like, man, that person was flavored to me. Man, that person, the way that they lived and the way they took out the trash and the way that they raised their kids and the way that they loved their spouse, it brought preservation life. And I'm really thirsty for this Jesus guy. Again, it might hurt in the moment. Be ready for that. Persevere through that. Endure through that. Love through that. If they persecute you, rejoice and be glad like Jesus said. Don't rub it in their face. Don't condemn them. Don't do any of those things. Stand by their side. Be there for them. But don't be sugary. Be salty. Three ways, really quickly, how you can continue to be salty. Renew your mind. I watch Netflix. I don't watch the news. But I watch sports and I listen to secular music. And I do all those things because they, they're, I enjoy them, right? And I'm not doing anything weird or perverse or anything like that. But but there are things in this world we have to be super careful because what we let into our mind ultimately goes into our heart. And then our lifestyle is an expression of what's in our heart. So you have to start here in your mind and you have to discern and, and guard yourself from certain things. Not that you can't watch Netflix, but everything in moderation, right? Not that you can't watch Fox News, but watch a little bit of CNN. But you know what I'm saying? Like, no, just kidding. I don't even know if that's the right thing. You know what I'm saying, though? But, like, here's the thing. If... If the things that are not really explicitly of God, whatever those things might be, Netflix or Instagram, social media, all those different things, if they're ultimately transforming you or having more influence on you than the spirit of God, than the promises of God on your life, than the word of God, then we've come to a place where we have a problem. And often we wonder why our life is so like broken and whatever. And I think sometimes it just starts with just a renewing of our mind. Like, turn Netflix off for a minute. Like, delete your Instagram for a minute if you need to. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing with, with renewing your mind that I would say is, and this one is really difficult for me too, but tame your tongue. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Understand the power that your words have over people. And even more importantly, understand this. Understand the power that your words have over your own life. When people come to me, whether someone's in addiction or they're struggling with unforgiveness or whatever it might be, they say, this person did this to me, or I'm this, or I, I'm, I'm, I'm this. And it's like, I understand you've had struggle, and you probably will continue to, to battle, fight the good fight, right? 
But speak life over yourself. I know that I struggle with drugs, but Jesus has set me free from that. I know that this person has abused me or, or I've wronged this person. Like, don't ever say to yourself because you've wronged somebody that God can't heal that person and heal you and restore that relationship. If you believe that in your mind, it'll go to your heart and that will be the expression of your reality. But if you believe because God's grace is bigger than any offense or any brokenness or any abuse that he can actually, now it might not mean you're gonna be best friends for the rest of eternity, that's okay. But you can't live with unforgiveness in your heart. You gotta renew your mind. The second thing, repent of your selfishness. (laughs) Repentance is really hard. What repentance means is to to change direction. As a, a citizen of the kingdom of God, you're always going to be tempted to go back into your old reality in another world, in another kingdom. And what God, as you, you try to wander back to that place, what God is really saying is recognize your wander, just turn back to me. Recognize your selfishness. If you've ever, ever heard me preach before, this sermon is probably a lot different than other sermons that I've preached, and here's why. I used to preach, honestly, just... I mean, maybe it was good, or maybe you liked it, maybe God spoke to you, great. God can speak to you regardless of my brokenness. But I used to speak, honestly, I think at the bottom of my heart for maybe selfish motivation. Like I would tell stories, or I would say things that were dishonoring to people in order to get a laugh out of you. Or I would say something that really like wasn't true to who I am, and maybe like I knew it was the right thing to say, and I wanted your approval, but it wasn't really genuine. And this right here is me repenting of that. Like I will never again get on a stage with a mic in my hand and bring dishonor to somebody. I will never again get up here and and act like I'm somebody that I'm not. Even if being honest and transparent with you seems to be like, maybe that person is not qualified to be a pastor. That's the grace of God. Like I'm a, I got issues You know, I got 99 problems, but I have God's grace. (laughs) I would encourage you, repentance hurts a little bit at first. But it says in, in John that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Here's the thing, in order to experience the fullness of his grace, you have to be completely honest with where you're at. If you're partially honest or you're partially truthful with your reality, you'll experience partial grace. Now, sometimes it's very hard to be completely honest, but then you are completely honest and you're overwhelmed by God's grace. Be completely honest with where you're at. Turn your direction. It might hurt. It might not feel good. It might be the hardest fight that you ever fight, but God is waiting for you, and he can do imaginally more than you could ever think or ask for or imagine. The third thing, refresh your spirit. What I really mean by that is worship. Like recognize in moments where you're not feeling right, it doesn't feel good, or maybe you've made mistakes, and just think about, recognize where you're at, and think about how graceful God is. Think about how merciful God is. Know that God is blessed are you if you're this and that he is with you, that he is your king and you are his citizen and all he really wants you, do, wants you to do is give worship and praise to him. It might look like you dancing with your hands in the air. It might, you might cry. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I do both those things. Sometimes I just sit down and I'm still and I just, God, I know that you're for me. 
I'm an idiot, but you love me. And you love the person that I hurt. And I know that you're working, and you're my king, and you are good, and you are faithful, and you are like any other king in this universe. And your love outlasts the end of days. And then worship just stirs in me. Glory just stirs in me. I once heard a pastor say, your worship is a problem for your problems. Like when you have all these problems, even though you know in your mind, like I can't worship right now, that's a good place to be, worship. Like that revelation is from God. Because he wants you to know that you can't do it, and then he wants to give you the strength to do it anyway. Your worship is a problem for your problems. Refresh your spirit, and you'll be the salt of the earth. I'm going to stand, Seth, if you want to come up and play something spiritual. <laughs> little honky-tonk. This is Idaho. Um, let, let's everybody just stand up. This is what I want to do. I want to invite the, the leaders forward. If you guys would dim the lights a little bit or a lot, let's get real spiritual. Again, this is not, I'm not your entertainer. I'm not a performer. My hope is that this word, this has so changed my life. Like the thing that I think about most and had to remind myself of most, I just say to myself all the time, Connor, you're the salt of the earth. Like in staff meetings, Connor, you're the salt of the earth. Like when I'm preaching and I get off on rabbit trails and I say stupid things, Connor, you're the salt of the earth. And I think God wants to come in and he wants to restore people today. I think he wants to heal people today. I think he wants to give flavor back to your life. I think he wants to preserve your life now and for eternity. I think he wants to make you thirst for the things of him, to reignite a love in you for your wife, for your, for your children, for your friends. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray right now. If everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're one of those people, this is why I want to give you the opportunity. You can come forward. You're a believer today, and you need to be restored. You need to be refreshed. Here's the thing. This message is meant to encourage you to be the salt of the earth, but more than anything, it's for us to interact with the actual salt of the earth, and his name is Jesus. Like Jesus is the salt of the earth. Jesus came to give us flavor to our lives. He says in, in, in John, I came to give you life and life abundantly. It says in, in Isaiah that he was whipped and beaten and, and bore stripes on his back for our healing. He wants to heal us today. And he wants to make us thirst and hunger for joy, for peace, for rest, for hope, for strength, for real things that are from him that satisfy our souls. So if you're a believer today and you need prayer for that, you can either come forward if you want to do that or I'll pray for you right where you're at. Everybody, everybody heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's pray right now. If you want to respond to that, you say, Connor, I need healing. Connor, I need flavor. Connor, I need preservation in my life. Connor, I need to thirst again. I'd ask you just to respond, hands out, hands up, just in your heart, whatever that might look like. And I want to pray for you right now, very specifically for that thing in your life. God, we lift up all those things, God. Um,
Holy Spirit, I pray that you come to them right now, that you give them strength in Jesus' name. God, we release joy in this place. God, we release hope in this place. God, we release self-control in this place. God, we release gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, steadfastness. God, Holy Spirit, would you come upon each and every believer, God? Give them power and strength and might. God, I pray for wholeness in this place right now. Healing in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. The next thing. You're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, but you want to. If you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus or you haven't committed your life and you're not ready to do that, like you're not, like I don't want you to, to come forward and receive prayer if that's not what you're ready to do, right? But if you want, like genuinely in, in your heart, you want to be healed. You want to be restored. You want to live for now and for eternity with Jesus. Like that's the cry of your heart. I want to invite you forward. You can come see this beautiful man and he wants to pray for you. Is there anybody in this place that wants to do that? Just raise your hand and come forward, anybody? Anybody? That's okay. Cool. Well, I'm gonna pray for you, just everybody one more time. And again, if you need healing, you need peace, you need rest right now, just in your heart, God, we lift up each and every heart to you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you bless it. That you bless the believer, you bless the unbeliever, God. You just pour out your spirit on this place, God. God, we just stir up joy. We stir up strength, God. God, we pray that you'd renew our minds, God, that you'd heal our hearts, that you'd refresh our spirits, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We give you all the glory. We thank you for your son. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jason, will you put up that last scripture? I just want to give you this as you go. Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I never, one time someone asked me at camp in front of all these youth, Connor, what does it mean to taste and see that God is good? And I said, why did you ask me that question? I don't know the answer. And then I read this scripture and God spoke to me. We taste and see that the Lord is good when we become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Friends, through you, regardless of who you are or what you've been through or where you're at or what you do for work or how much money you make or whatever it might be, God wants to reveal to the people around you that he is good. You are the salt of the earth. Stay salty, my friends. Go in peace.